Coming up on the Behind the Mic podcast, Black Monday has come and gone. NFL Week 17, Devontae Smith wins the Heisman Trophy and the college football playoff. Alabama and Ohio State face off Monday night. Can't wait. My thoughts on the CFP and what it should have taught haters by now and the son of FedEx that Titans fans may want to stick around a little bit longer. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. What's happening? Michael Neal Jr., your host, the Behind the Mic podcast. Welcome in. Look, Happy New Year. First show of the year. And look for the Light Brothers soon as well. But I'm kicking this thing off. The Heisman Trophy was last night. And as a former wide receiver myself, I was just so happy to see Devontae Smith of Alabama win the Heisman Trophy, becoming only the third wide receiver in the history of college college football to win that award. Of course, there was Tim Brown in 88, Desmond with the Heisman Pose in 91, and now Devontae Smith. His numbers speak for themselves, and he's playing in the national championship. The Slim Reaper did it. He's doing this thing, and I love his attitude. So proud of that kid, someone who Worked his butt off to get there. I love to see that. I mean, I'm not saying that none of these guys that ever win the Heisman Trophy don't work their butts off, but you can respect the backstories to these guys. I mean, the numbers on the year speak for themselves. 100 and for themselves, rather. 106 catches, 20 touchdowns, over 1,600 yards receiving. He's not catching a bunch of screens either. If you watch the games, you see him going deep. So, um... My point, though, tonight, and I think that it really speaks volumes to Nick Saban and that Alabama program. This is the third Alabama player, and there were no Alabama players before Nick Saban got there that won the Heisman Trophy. I think there have been some that came close, and another receiver that I really loved, but I didn't think he would ever win it. Um, because it seemed like a running back quarterback award anyway when I really first started watching college football. David Palmer loved Deuce. I mean, that kid was really, really good. Um, but the others, Mark Ingram in 09 and Derrick Henry, who's running for 2,000 yards here for the Tennessee Titans, they won it. Uh, he won it in 2015. Again, the program um, of Alabama, it just, it's just great. It's just great, utter dominance. And getting right to it, college football overall, um, we've seen once again another year in the books. And the sixth year of the college football playoff, the CFP, is where I want to begin. And it all started for me with a tweet. Sometimes these tweets or the comments thereof light a fire in me. And now I want to come on back with what my thoughts of it is. So if anyone is familiar with Paul Hembokitis, if you're not, he's an ESPN, a longtime ESPN producer. He was with Mike and Mike, and now he's with Get Up. And he puts some really good tweets out there. And those tweets consist of numbers that really make you think. I love those kind of things. And the first thing that I saw was the comment up under it um, <laughs> once I clicked on the tweet. And so I watched Friday, you know, I, I, I watched Alabama beat the brakes off of Notre Dame. 
Nobody surprised. Okay, nobody was surprised at that game. But the tweet that Himbo put out there was this. In the previous four cycles or four years, 2017 to 2020, Alabama landed 41 ESPN top 100 recruits. 41 of 100. Think about that. Notre Dame landed eight. That is the difference between Alabama and Notre Dame. It's also the difference between Alabama and maybe even your squad. Here it is. I read the comment that was up under there. The first one that I saw was college football is boring and there is no competitive balance. The first thought that I had in my mind was, well, who in the world do you root for? And it's clearly not some of these schools that are in the college football playoff. And the playoff is only six years old, but even before the playoff, some of these teams have been in the national championship picture for years. And it hasn't changed. Don't believe me? If you go and look at the list, just the list of the teams and programs, the programs, the school's rankings by wins. And I'll start at the top. I've said this actually already once before. They're the same teams that you've seen for years. Not our fault that you didn't notice, but just in case you don't know. Now, don't be thrown off. Michigan is number one. They have the most wins, and plus they have played more games than anybody. But just tell me if you recognize any of these schools. Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, Texas. Now, I'm skipping Yale and Harvard and Penn and Princeton because, look, I mean, they're not in the same vein now. That is, I'm not saying they're not relevant. I love Ivy League schools. You're great for producing some really smart people. But we're talking about football here. That's why Ivy League has their own league. Anyway, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Penn State, USC, Tennessee, Georgia, LSU, Auburn, Clemson. That's just the top 20. I mean, all-time wins. These are all-time wins. West Virginia, Virginia Tech, Texas A&M, Washington, Georgia Tech, Florida, Pittsburgh, Syracuse. I'm going to stop at 30. I mean, I could keep going and say Navy, Arkansas, Wisconsin, Colorado, Michigan State, Minnesota, but don't have to. Sorry, I already did. But here's the point. The point is, if you're so tired of basically, and this has already been discussed, of the same, same teams being there, it's, it's never changed. And my whole thing is this. You obviously do not root for any of these teams and you want competitive balance. Maybe, just maybe, your team is in that group of five or an independent and not in the power five. Because if you're a power five fan, you just need to recruit better. That's what it all comes down to. Period. It's not the school's fault that they stay on top. It's not Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia. Now, here are the teams that have been in this short college football playoff history in six years. These are all the teams that have participated. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia, Notre Dame. LSU won it last, last year. Oregon, Florida State had a uh, – they got in there and got the brakes beat off of them by Oregon. Uh, Washington, Michigan, 
So those last three schools, not as great right now, right? So uh, Oregon is kind of borderline, and um, LSU, they had to take a year off because they put all their eggs in their basket last year and dominated. So, I mean, you, you don't have to look very far as obviously the only way to fix this is that the Power Five have their own playoff which is the main playoff and the and the reason why we're doing all of this anyway. It is about the money. Yes, it is. Because nobody really wants to watch group of five schools. Yes, they'll watch for a little while. You ever watch the NCAA tournament? It doesn't really last long um, as far as ratings once you get towards the end. It's okay, now it's been a great story, George Mason, but let's see somebody that actually we recognize win it i mean every now and then it'd be a great story though it, it, it is a great story for someone let's just say if ucf were to have won if they had won it all that year that they went undefeated that probably is their one shot that they would have had but they didn't get that shot because they're not a power five school they don't play and they did not play enough really good schools even though that year they beat two teams that were actually in the playoff including auburn in their bowl game so, I mean, I understand it, but they're telling you. Anybody listen to Dan Patrick? I do. I graduated from his school of sports casting, and he said it on his show. They're telling you that we don't want you in. You know what it is, right? It's like those club scenes on the outside that you see on television shows, on movies. You see that long line and the 612 dude standing up there in front of the door holding the velvet rope with his arms crossed with a medium shirt. You know, <laughs> all those people in line, you know who that is? That's the group of five and the independents. That's the American Conference USA, the Sun Belt, Mountain West, the WAC, BYU, Army, UConn, Liberty. That's who's in line. Okay. Now, every now and then, a UCF may get close to the door, but they don't necessarily let you in. And just be honest, some of those teams from the Power Five, from the SEC or the ACC or the Pac-12, they can sneak in a pretty good season, a la uh, Washington or Michigan. Haven't been, they're traditionally good squads, but they haven't been good enough to be a, a contender every single year. It's just what it is. But then what it comes down to, when you look at all of it, it's the teams that's at the top of recruiting. I said this the very last show that I did last year on New Year's Eve. Look at the recruiting. It's the same. If you go to any recruiting website and look at those top five to ten, that'll tell you who's going to be in the national championship almost every year. And then you're seeing the same thing over and over again. Don't blame the schools, and especially do not blame the kids. It's where the best players, they want to go. They want to go to Clemson. They want to play for Dabo Sweeney. They want to play for Ryan Day. They want to play for Nick Saban. What, a, what was the tweet? 41 of the ESPN's top 100 recruits? And you're complaining? You probably need to do a little bit better. But, you know, so, I mean, I mean it is what it is. And what that recruiting does provide, what? It, it provides playmakers on offense and defense. All you have to do is look at the past drafts. Matter of fact, probably about 
what, 30 minutes ago or so. I just got through watching the first college football playoff, uh, one of those games. It was the Alabama and Ohio State. Of course, they're meeting Monday night, right? And if you look at that game, look at the list of players that are in the league. Does anyone recognize these names in, uh, from the All-State Sugar Bowl back in, what, 2015, 2016? Derrick Henry, Joey Bosa, Michael Thomas, who, coincidentally, it was played in New Orleans, in the Superdome, where he would be the star. Eli Apple, Amari Cooper, Zeke Elliott, O.J. Howard, Curtis Samuel, Von Bell, Taylor Decker, Kenyon Drake, Reggie Ragland. Does any of those names from Alabama and Ohio State ring a bell? Maybe they should because they are in the league, and a good number of those players are actually good. And they're probably on your favorite team. And if you're tired of seeing it, look, it's just about recruiting, man. I don't blame the coaches. My job hinges on us winning. They're not going to keep me around for being a guy that pats you on the head and says, thank you for making good grades. That's not part of their job. Their job is to coach football and to win. And to be able to win, you have to recruit the best players. My team has more four and five stars than your team. And if you can at least put together a schedule, I think that the independents may have uh, more of a chance at a national championship if they go undefeated playing, let's just say, BYU. If they schedule more of those SEC and ACC games and Pac-12, they play in almost an entire Power 5 schedule with maybe one Rudy Poot team, maybe just one. Then okay. You know, so, I mean, until that happens, it is what it is. So, um, if like I said, you look at all of these, um, the, the coaching, uh, to go along with the recruits, it's not even a question of who the better teams are. Yeah, Nick Saban and Ryan Day, Dabo Sweeney, Brian Kelly, so those are the four teams from this year. And you have to keep an eye on Oklahoma and Georgia. Kirby Smart should have been back in there, but the guy, and maybe he should have come away with at least one championship. And he just wasn't that smart. But overall, just watching those games, I mean, Alabama, pure dominance, not a whole lot to say about the All-State. I mean, the, the Capital One Rose Bowl that was played in Dallas. Everybody... I think most people knew that. Well, then, too, most people also thought that Clemson, and I was one of them, I thought that Clemson was going to beat Ohio State. Why? Because I saw Indiana and how Justin Fields struggled. I saw the Northwestern game and how they struggled. But some of that was due to COVID. I mean, then, too, you look back at the Michigan State game, although Michigan State wasn't that great. Okay, let's just be honest. I mean, they were missing up to about, I think it was 23 players, and they put 50-something points up on them. But that that's the depth. They have depth. That's recruiting, right? And I didn't know of Justin Fields, who that kid, that kid is a total beast. Um, total beast. I was so proud to see the way that he played. He had six touchdown passes and six incompletions. I mean, not bad for the 11th ranked team in the country, huh, Dabo? 
<laughs> go figure. Go figure. You know, um, and Trey Sermon, who was a transfer from Oklahoma, he was injured, and then he decided to transfer. Sermon, who had 331 yards in the Big 12, I mean, the Big 10 championship game against Northwestern, broke Eddie George's, what, 20-year record, 22-year record, however long it's been. It was a long time. And then turned around and had almost 260 more all-purpose yards, a buck 93 on the ground against Brent Venable's Clemson defense. So, I, I mean, I, and I don't want to hear too many of those excuses um, from Clemson fans. Uh, and I understand uh, Clemson's offensive coordinator, Tony Elliott, wasn't around because he tested positive for COVID. He has been there for six years. But Dabo said they were prepared and they had people in place. They had their offense was going, but Travis Etienne, um, Ohio State, that defense, they, they took them took him out of the game only had 32 yards rushing he scored but they took him out trevor lawrence you can only kind of contain him he's going to be the first pick in the draft so uh, um no no excuses and even though um elliot was not around but you still had that brent venables defense and brent venables the defensive coordinator but if you want me to be fair it's not so much of an excuse as it is a reason, but the thing is, is that, you know, they were on the field, but you add to that, that you have to understand that the defense does give up points and that does have an effect on play calling. And it's different when you're playing a team and they're putting up these points the way that Ohio state was. And Justin Fields is playing lights out. I mean, the guy went through his progressions. He, and I took some game notes. I'm not even looking at them right now, but he went through his progressions. He hit like seven different receivers. He was very decisive, by the way, and he made some tight window throws, throws that you want to see an NFL quarterback make. He made a couple of back shoulder throws, some stuff that I saw in Joe Burrow, in which I didn't understand some people's, um, and it was only because they didn't really watch it. They, you have to watch uh, the way that they're playing and where they're placing the ball. The ball placement is everything. And look, Justin Fields start, he actually ended the season, well, he, the last game anyway, like he began it. And that right there is commendable. That means Ryan Day and his staff were prepared. Just as any other of those great teams in college football would be prepared. And it's really only three that just jump off the page. Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma, they're pretty good too. Kirby Smart, he's the he has the second best program in the SEC. He makes too many mistakes coaching wise for me, and they are glaring coaching mistakes. But when you have uh, and it hasn't hurt his recruiting, he's I mean he had Justin Fields as a matter of fact. Jake Fromm beat him out. Fields said, well, I guess I'll go up to Ohio State. Didn't really want to stay, but his dad convinced him to stay, and the rest is history. He's going to be the second pick in the draft or the second quarterback taken in this, year, this year's draft. It's really going to be interesting to see what the Jets actually do going forward with this pick. But look, Clemson, Ohio State, well, Clemson fans, Ohio State, they scored on five straight possessions. Clemson allowed 639 yards, third most in their program's history. James Skalski, I mean, I hate the targeting rule because kids, college kids are only on the field for so long. 
But I mean, it was right by the letter of the rule, letter of the law, whatever you want to say it. Two years in a row, he's been ejected in the playoffs like this. Huh. Was it a difference? I don't think so. Because over and over again, if you watched them and listened to Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler, Clemson couldn't get their defense together. They couldn't even get lined up correctly. And it was glaring. So more to talk about with the Ohio State Clemson game because that was not what we expected. And it happened the way that it needed to happen. So, but all in all, and then on top of all of this, Dabo Sweeney has no regrets about what he said. And I really don't think anybody really feels bad for Dabo Sweeney, except maybe his family. All right, all right, we're going to hit a little bit of quick news before we do this show. A little bit out of order. I normally will start with the NFL's rundown. It'll be the Week 17 rundown, the last regular season week. Um, but there will be no story time with Uncle Mike today. I'm sorry. Don't cut it off. Please keep listening. <laughs> I promise I'll do it the next, the next show. I promise. I promise. I promise. A little quick news. Alabama, Ohio State National Championship. Uh, Bama looking for its 16th title while Ohio State is looking for their ninth. That's on Monday night. And again, Devontae Smith became the third Bama player to win the Heisman, as well as the third wide receiver to win it in the program's history. And on top of that, Trevor Lawrence has declared for the NFL draft. So it, he made it official earlier this morning. I watched his tweet. I couldn't rooting any harder for a kid I, I never really rooted against uh, Trevor Lawrence sometimes and I like Dabo but I mean, he just more, he said some things that you know if I could reach out and thump him in the forehead I would but uh, Trevor Lawrence he's uh, going to Jacksonville that, that's uh, he needs to start looking for his real estate now college basketball the George Washington UMass game has been postponed in D.C. because they had to institute a 6 p.m. curfew. Why? These Trump supporters have they have rioted and they have bombarded the state capitol. They're inside the building with their Trump hats and flags and Confederate flags. Now, look, I'm not a political show. By no means am I. But I'm sorry. I have to ask this question. Would you want, and if you do, and, you know, something's wrong, but... If, would you want your supporters doing something like that, carrying on? You know, see the difference? I'm glad they weren't black. Kevin Stefanski, NFL. He tested positive yesterday for COVID-19, and as of today, there have been no new positive tests. Stefanski is going to miss the NFL playoff game against the Steelers on Sunday night. And speaking of the playoffs, the Tennessee Titans hometown team here, a Tennessee Titans trainer has tested positive for the virus. No more new news or new positives on that front of uh, being a Nashville native and sitting in the middle of the city. I'm hoping that that does not happen. We don't need any more rampant um, virus uh, spread. Also, from the Miami Dolphins, offensive coordinator Chan Gailey has resigned as from that position. The 69-year-old basically called it quits. 
Um, we I don't know if he will continue to coach or not. Some people say they need to take a break and then they'll come back. This will be not whoever fills in for Chan Gailey will be the third offensive coordinator in th- in their third in the third year. So we need some continuity. Um, the Miami Dolphins say for Tua going forward, and that'll be it for the news. And without further ado. The NFL Week 17 Rundown. Cam saved his best for last. He tossed three touchdowns and caught another, but seriously, why now? Why couldn't you have done that early in the year? At the beginning of the year, though, I did say Cam was done. And then I came back a couple of weeks after those first two games and said, okay, he's he's good. I, I was wrong. I should have stuck with my first inkling. I should have stuck with my first thought but anyway the Patriots still need a quarterback and speaking of which I'm wondering what the Jets are going to do with Sam Darnold after that Justin Fields performance on New Year's Day I'm also guessing that now former Jets head coach Adam Gase packed the Buffalo Bills cruised to a 30 point win against the Miami Dolphins as Stefan Diggs flossed his teeth on the sideline I didn't really expect Buffalo to blow Miami out like that 56 points. My God. Drew Brees played his final NFL regular season game with no running backs or Michael Thomas. But the Saints just keep winning. Ty Montgomery, he had 100 yards. The wide receiver that plays running back. Mm. Picking off Carolina Panther quarterbacks five times also helps. Okay, I'm going to try this with one hand because I'll be holding my nose with the other as a Steelers fan. The Baltimore Ravens ran for 404 yards in their 38-3 beatdown of the Bengals. Lamar Jackson became the first quarterback in league history to rush for multiple 1,000-yard seasons. I did it. I did it. I did it. Prayers up to Mike Evans after he injured his knee in Tampa Bay's victory over the Falcons Sunday. This is why you get Antonio Brown. And I'm so happy for that guy. Yes, I was mad at him. Being a Steelers fan, you know this. I was mad at him because he did not take ownership. I'm glad to see he has bounced back. 11 catches, a buck 38, two touchdowns for AB. The Tampa Bay Bucks head into the playoffs against who? The Washington football team. Tom, Chase Young said, hey, I want you. Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins once again did the gritty on Sunday. At least they won. A.A. Ron Aaron Rodgers finished Dub Bears and wrapped his probable, I think he will win it, league MVP season with a NFL leading 48 touchdown passes, joining Peyton Manning as the only two quarterbacks to throw for at least 45 touchdowns in multiple seasons. Wow, that's a lot. The Las Vegas Raiders in their season at 500. John Gruden is still red in their, with their win in Denver. Hours later, though, running back Josh Jacobs was arrested for DUI after a single car crash. I am glad he's okay. It turned out to be a bittersweet win for the L.A. Chargers and coach Anthony Lynn. It would be his last game as head coach. And look, I barely watched seahawks 49ers all honesty but it was cool seeing afterwards that receivers dk metcalf and tyler lockett 
set some franchise records. DK broke Steve Largest record for yards in a season while Tyler Lockett caught 100 passes. That was great to hear. The Rams make the playoffs thanks to John Wolford, but I do commend Kyler Murray for trying. I did not think he was going to play. Ugh, darn ankle. Okay, here we go. Ugh. Congratulations, Cleveland Browns. You made t-shirts for making the playoffs. Whoopity-doo! Anyway, Jonathan Taylor, 253 rushing yards on Sunday. Jacksonville Jaguars, no more Doug Marone. The Dallas Cowboys lost to the New York Giants. And my Cowboy fan brother and co-host, Joe, cheered. They lost, they lost. It had to be pretty sweet for Jason Garrett. But by the way, just to add to that, I do think Jalen Smith was high. Wow, what was wrong with that dude? Congratulations to the Tennessee Titans for winning the AFC South. Derrick Henry not only won the league rushing title, 2,027 yards, becoming the eighth player in league history to rush for 2,000 yards. And by the way, just so you know, the Tennessee Titans have two of those eight 2,000-yard rushers. All right. And I think he almost shouted on one of those touchdown runs. And I give credit to my man Josh Merritt for <laughs> putting the Instagram story up. Oh, Shaba. Church people will get that. Again, back to the NFC East Sunday night. I was not rooting against the Eagles, but for the Washington football team. Why did Doug Peterson pull Jalen Hurts for Nate Sudfield? And he says he was called coaching to win. That's a lie from the pits of hell. And I personally would have let those two defenders, according to reports, loose on him that was going to confront him about that change. It's like, dude, you ain't trying to win. They was trying to go at him. And by the way, New York Giants, the Bible says study to be quiet. Don't go 6-10 and 10 next time. So, yeah, I mean, I did say slow down on Jalen Hurts. Uh, but let's just consider the fact that you um, – especially quarterbacks, but players, they will get better coaching in the NFL. And I almost had to put my foot in the mouth before I go on to my next story. Black Monday has come and gone. Doug Marone, Jaguars, out. Adam Gase, Jets, out. Anthony Lynn, Chargers, out. Following the other three co uh, coaches that preceded them, Bill O'Brien of the Texans, Dan Quinn of the Falcons, and Matt Patricia of the Lions. The replacements, we're not totally sure who's going to be the man, but I know the top recruit, since we've been talking a lot about college football in this show, Eric Bieniemy has already interviewed in several of those jobs. Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator for the Bills, he's a big-time candidate. Raheem Morris, I think he's already interviewed for the Falcons gig. Robert Sala, Byron Leftwich, Marvin Lewis, who has been – in college football with Herb, um, with, uh, um, oh God, Herman Edwards, Herm, I said Herb, Herman Edwards in uh, Arizona State, Matt Eberflus, D.C. for the Colts, and Daryl Bevel is also interviewed for the Lions opening. He haven't been the offensive coordinator. He looks like he's trying to step into that head coaching role. Don't know who's going to be the men that's going to step into these roles just yet. Uh, there are some favorites. Uh, playoffs, the wild card schedule, if you don't know it already, Saturday, Colts at Buffalo, Rams at Seattle in the nighttime game, the nightcap, Bucks at the Washington football team. Sunday, Ravens, they come to visit Tennessee, the 615. 
And the Bears are at New Orleans. And the Browns at Pittsburgh minus their head coach. That's the NBC Sunday night game. And uh, just want to commend Ron Rivera for an incredible season. As I flow into uh, the next story, uh, the next two stories, um, he was diagnosed with cancer. And during the season at halftime, he would be receiving IVs so he can continue to finish coaching his games. Seven weeks of chemo and proton therapy. He beat the cancer in late October and he led the Washington football team to a division title. So that was really good to see. But right now, before I get to my next to last story, I'm going to go here. Doug Peterson. Um, Just real quick, dude. So, I mean, I watched the entire game and it's third quarter. I mean, going to late fourth quarter um, and they've all, they've made a change. They're only down by three. It looked like the team was going to run Philly out of the building and look, just that fast. Jalen Hurts brought them back and um, they were only down by three. Now, his numbers weren't anything to write home, write home about. Hurts was only seven of 20. Um, and he ran for, what, 34 yards, but he ran for two touchdowns. He was doing a, a lot more of getting the ball moved than Sudfeld did. And let's just be frank. Um, I think that the sideline likes him. I'm not talking about so much the coaching staff as I am as the actual team. So Carson Wentz came in his, uh, in his regular street clothes. He knew he wasn't playing. He's wanted out. So – I heard that uh, they tried to throw Pittsburgh in as an example of this, but some say that, I mean, it's been said that they want to improve their draft position moving from what ninth to sixth with a loss. Uh, But in the comments, Doug Peterson is saying that he did that so that we already during this, during the week basically said that we were going to get Sudfeld some reps. All right, uh, but it didn't look like your team was very, very happy about that because your players are trying to win that game. So, and to use Pittsburgh's, I've heard some radio people try to throw Pittsburgh out as an example because they set, sat Big Ben um, for the Browns game, knowing that other teams were trying to make the playoffs. If the Browns lose, then we get in. That's not Pittsburgh's problem. All right, so other teams that are trying to make the playoffs, that's not that's not the Pittsburgh Steelers' issue. And when it comes to Joe Judge, the head coach of the Giants, in his comments, basically saying, you know, they they basically they screwed us, and we would never do that because, and we would never do that. We would never disrespect the game. I understand everything that he's saying, and I actually agree with him, but you probably don't want to say that because you are trying to get into the playoffs depending on a division rival. Are you serious? You really going to depend on the, on a division rival. Why would you depend on anybody else to determine your fate anyway? So during the season, you need to do better. It kind of goes back to um, college football. If you're worried about getting into the playoffs, one, if you're undefeated, okay, you have a case. But if you lose one game, one game that's why you have to politic that's why you have to politic 
You have to get in front of a camera and say we deserve to get to get in, even though we've got a, a loss or two that we shouldn't have lost early in the in the uh, the year, especially if it was to a team that you had no business losing to. So win your games. That's what you have to do. You have to win your games. Now, I, I had a problem with Peterson pulling Hurts, obviously. It didn't make any sense. Again, I was rooting for the team, Washington football team, not against the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't dislike anybody. I, I like to see the story of Ron Rivera and especially Alex Smith. He's not supposed to be playing football right now because of his leg. You know, looking back at that, I mean, that's why I was pulling for Washington. And then uh, with Jalen Hurts, I want to see the kids succeed, even though I still don't believe he's totally ready. But he's going to get better coaching, hopefully, uh, in the future, because Doug Peterson simply isn't getting it done. So, yeah, the report said a couple of defensive players had to be restrained from confronting Peterson. But Jason Kelsey, offensive lineman for uh, for that one, the offensive lineman, he allegedly went to him and asked him himself. It wasn't a confrontational type discussion, as ESPN has reported. So basically, I guess he was like, you know, what's up with this? You know, and it wasn't confrontational. So, I mean, to me, all of this that dispels that whole notion about tanking teams trying to tank. If it's if you ever seen Major League. If you've seen that movie, Major League is is the baseball movie about the Cleveland Indians um, and the owner, the lady, she wanted to move them to Miami. So she tried to put together the worst team. And when they were starting to win, despite bringing in old and washed up players and some new players that they had no idea would play well, <laughs> uh, she tried to give them the worst equipment, that jacked up bus that had the gas coming out of the radio. Not really. But it was a, it, the bus was really bad. They had to put a... A boat propeller in a in a tub for their cold tub, hot tub, or whatever it was. I mean, supposedly it was a call from upstairs that said, "Peterson, we need you to pull Jalen Hurts and put Sudfeld in." I don't know who to believe. I really don't. I really don't. I haven't heard any experts in the last couple of days um, whether they promoted or dispelled that myth. But if it was a call from upstairs, it doesn't matter. It makes your head coach look bad. And there were questions about a bunch of other coaches outside of Anthony Lynn and and uh, the ones who got fired. Um, but there's also Zach Taylor. Okay, Cincinnati was going to keep him because his quarterback got hurt. And him working with Joe Burrow apparently was working. And they want to continue this relationship, right? And so the same thing was said pretty much about Doug Peterson. There are questions of whether or not he would be retained for this season coming up the next year. And apparently those reports said, yeah, he's going to be here. But now you have to replay, repair the relationship with your players. And that's that doesn't look good. The relationships are damaged with your quarterbacks. Carson Wentz, now I understand him being pissed. I understand that, but don't play like a backup. You play terrible. And I almost did a show weeks ago when this stuff really was hitting the fan, when the fit was really hitting the shan. Carson Wentz, he lost his offensive coordinator. Changes. Jalen Hurts, I don't know what, if it was supposed to be, um, 
you know, a uh, okay, we're going to play Nate Sudfeld some in this game. If he already knew that, okay, cool. But if not, I mean, coach, let me get out there. You pick me, and I'm your starting quarterback right now, so let me continue. Why are we playing Nate Sudfeld? Maybe next season, if he's still on the roster, we could play him in preseason. Not right now. You have a three-point game, and this kid uh, could have won that game for you. And the Giants would have been happy, right? <laughs> but yeah, you know, coaching changes. I did hear, you know, those kind of things. I mean, so he 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 may be safe. Doug Peterson may be safe, but he definitely was made the scapegoat. The Super Bowl, I think that is protecting his job for right now, but you can only go so far, whether it's a Super Bowl or a national championship. What happened to Auburn's coach? Guy, I can't even remember his name. After that, he had that one year with Cam after having those terrible years at Iowa State. Gene Chizik. He won that one national championship and then he went back into the trash can. And what happened? He got he got fired. So, I mean, that's <laughs> that that's what happened. You know, 2009, they were Ugh. and then 2010, they won it all, and then 2011 back into the toilet. So coaches make a big difference. Um, and that, I mean, it made a difference not only for Carson Wentz, who was having an MVP season. He didn't win it because he blew his knee out, what, a week, two weeks before the season was over with against the Rams. And it made a difference for, guess who? Doug Peterson. While we're talking about offensive coordinators, Tennessee Titans, Arthur Smith, he's another one of those. I didn't mention him on purpose, but he's another one of those head coaching candidates. He's on the list. And this is only two years as an offensive coordinator. Sometimes you need to slow down. You know, God, people change jobs like they change draws. I know you're supposed to change your draws, but I mean, can you stay put for a minute? Two little minutes. I mean, he just—it's not like he had. I mean, he's been with the Titans. Well, he's—he's he's been a coach for eight years. But if you look at his resume, I mean, he's had what eight years on the Titans staff, and he was quality control and tight ends coach, and he was promoted last year because Vrabel got here in 2018. The next year, Arthur Smith got promoted to being the offensive coordinator, and I'm like, who is this dude? Little did I know that that was the company that I worked for, Federal Express. That was Fred Smith's son. I had no idea. I've said it already before. I beat myself up about it all already. And if you're new to the show, you know, come on with the punches. But I had no idea. Arthur Smith, who is this dude? And it turned out to be the best thing for this squad. What could Tennessee look like going forward if they lose their offensive coordinator? I mean, because they do make a difference. Look at the Philadelphia Eagles, y'all. Look at what they're going through right now. Now, I'm not saying that Ryan Tannehill is a bad quarterback because he's not. He's a good quarterback. He just needed coaching. And I think that is the difference a lot of times between players that can actually play and the ones, you know, that, and the ones that can't. And then there's also the biggest the coaching is the biggest difference between, you know, a player's success. That's what I meant. Their success and failure. 
That's what the biggest difference with having a good coach or a good coaching staff means to a program, to a franchise. It doesn't matter. I mean, you do need players. I mean, you can count on one hand how many times someone's won a championship without players, and the number is zero. You got to have players. Now, can someone, you know, can a squirrel find a nut blind? Maybe once, but normally that doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. And Ryan Tannehill, he was with Adam Gase. Adam Gase has been fired yet again. He was hired all based upon his proximity, his close proximity to Peyton Manning. Didn't have that much to do with Adam Gase. And sometimes that's probably where you should stay, a quarterback coach or coordinator. Not every coordinator is supposed to be a head coach. I don't care if you're offense, defense, doesn't matter. Linebackers coach, you know. So and there's some diamonds in the rough. If they get that chance, okay, if they fail, stop putting them back in their job. And if they they fail again and they fail again and they fail again, then they don't need to be a, a head coach anymore. Maybe they need to stay as a coordinator. But uh, um, Ryan Tannehill, I mean, you could tell, and I respect it because Tannehill was a receiver. He's yet another one of those players that played an entirely different position in college, and he plays – quarterback in the nfl he goes from a wide receiver to being a quarterback now if you was a quarterback and go to a wide receiver that's not i mean it's impressive but not as much as playing quarterback in the nfl i'm sorry i i don't see that being <laughs> come on man <laughs> but adam um, not adam gates but arthur smith is very very important to this tennessee offense and you know, they produced Two pro bowlers this year, of course, Derrick Henry and then A.J. Brown. Um, and Derrick Henry, 2,000 yards, leading the league in rushing. So, and if you look at the offense, according to tennis, the Tennessean.com, the, the Titans rank fourth in scoring, 30.7 points per game. Second in total offense, 396.4 yards per game. And second in rushing, 168 yards per game. So, I mean, it's there's talent there. And when you have that talent plus the coaching, look, they're back in the playoffs. Last year was looked at as kind of like, okay, they 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 did it this time, but you know, they they kind of looked out. I don't know if you totally luck out all the way to the AFC Championship game and you were leading the eventual Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City, and not only that, but you beat the uh, number one team in the AFC, you beat the Ravens. And you don't just beat them, you beat them down. The team that was picked to win it all, right? I don't think everything said it all when Earl Thomas got prayed for by uh, Derrick Henry on the sideline that, that night. Uh, and then before that, of course, they pretty much ended Tom Brady's career in New England. So it's not a mistake. They're back again. But we'll find out, though, come Sunday. Sunday. We'll find out just how good the, um, the Titans are. So, and when that game ends, it's going to be one of two things. Either we're going to continue this thing around here in Tennessee. The Titans are going to continue to to, to play well and, and move forward in, in the uh, AFC. Because one, uh, this year, you know what happened to the Ravens again. The Titans went up there and they beat them again. So, I don't want to hear it being a down year for the Ravens. It wasn't. Not really. They did have some issues with COVID um, at one point. We've already discussed that, but we'll find out. This is going to be the third time 
So the Ravens at Tennessee. And either it's going to continue or the Titans are going to be looking for another offensive coordinator. That's going to be hard to replace. It's good that you're going to have these pieces, but like I've seen coaching changes before, sometimes those changes happen just like you're seeing right now with the Eagles. You take away that one piece that was important, and then the offense slowly erodes, slowly withers away. Coaches are really, really important to professional football. Look at what happened in Buffalo. Brian Dayball, who came over from Alabama. Josh Allen was playing like utter garbage, trash. He went from the bottom of the league in completion percentage. Now, all of a sudden, he's like the second-best quarterback in, in, the, uh, in the AFC with the second-best team in the AFC, maybe even the best team in the AFC. He's not better than Pat Mahomes, but they're right behind him at least. And you trust him. He's not doing stupid stuff anymore. And that took coaching. Cleveland. And I hate, I told you I'm scared of Cleveland. Now, Baker Mayfield, they may lose this Sunday because their head coach isn't there. Kevin Stefanski is the reason that their offense has turned around. It is. I mean, Todd Haley, who was the old offensive coordinator, uh, Hugh Jack, uh, I almost said Jackman, Hugh Jackson, Todd Monken, uh, Freddie Kitchens. No, it's Kevin Stefanski. All right, so you've seen what happened with Jared Goff and the Rams, how that team actually turned, did an about face from when Jeff Fisher was there, more of a defensive-minded guy, and you insert Sean McVay, who brings that offensive mind, and then they still have defensive players that they bring in. He surrounded him with himself with a good coaching staff as well. Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers, I mean, they were they were bad. And then he's he's been the, he's been the one guy that has really held that team together. They draft same thing as the Rams. They have good off a good defense, way better, you know, not this year, but really good defense, good defensive players, but they've been ravaged this year by injuries, just left and right. They were in the Super Bowl last year. They were in the Super Bowl last year. And then you look back at Tom Brady in New England, he had Josh McDaniels for years to go along with some years uh, having um, Charlie Weiss and Bill O'Brien. But Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick has been blessed to have had those two working together. Drew Brees, Pete Carmichael, he's the offensive coordinator for the New Orleans Saints to go along with Sean Payton. That off Those offensive minds work. And speaking of Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, Eric Bieniemy, who's going to end up in one of these coaching positions. It's going to be either the Jaguars or the, 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 the Jets. He's interviewed for the Jets job. I think the other teams, they're, they're all looking at him. Arthur Smith is being sought after. Um, and they can't interview him until after the first round. So uh, I don't know what's going to happen. But when you have Andy Reid, you know, in Kansas City anyway, just to inject that, uh, I mean, you're, you're not going to drop off that much. <laughs> you're going to have to hire, bring in the next guy, and you trust Andy Reid is going to do that. I don't know if Mike Vrabel is going to be able to bring in someone to replace Arthur Smith. It's just that simple. It's making me nervous it, it, seeing the, um, the turnaround for this team. They've got the right head coach. They have the right quarterback. 
They have, and any of those people who still doubt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill understand it. Everybody in the league can't have Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. You know, they can't have those guys that can probably carry a team almost by themselves. Pat Mahomes has been blessed. I mean, you, you get surrounded by um, uh, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and you have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire falling in your lap and Le'Veon Bell. And before that, you had some pretty decent running backs that could get it done. Um, and then guys on defense like the Honey Badger, he hates that name, um, and Chris Jones and several others, I mean, Brashard Breeland. Um, you have a good team surrounding you and a really good head coach, but uh, you know everybody can't have that that truck of a quarterback. Of course, I stole that once again. I have to give credit to Bucky Brooks. There are trucks and trailers. You have a trailer, but you have a good trailer. Trucks are Aaron Rodgers. They can carry a team all by themselves. And Brady and Breeze at one point they can do that almost by themselves. But they all everybody has to have some help. They all have to have some players around them. But Ryan Tannehill, a little bit more. You have Derrick Henry. You got Corey, um, you have uh Corey Davis and of course AJ Brown. So you have uh, you have to and you've done this this year, having lost your, your one of your best offensive linemen. So look here. Um I'm praying that it doesn't go through. I'm hoping that he sticks around a little while longer. I really, really do. All right, so that's a wrap. Uh, again, there's no story time with Uncle Mike today. I've done my hour, and I'm out. Look, happy new year. Looking forward to talking to you again next week. Out.